episode 24 of the sports edition of the Revolution Sports Podcast. Thank you for joining us this morning on this Thursday morning as we look to break down some of the top stories this week coming from basically, I mean, like I said earlier on in the week, we're going to really focus on college football right now. There's just been so much that has been going on in there. And like I said already, if you didn't listen to the last episode and the last few that I've been talking about, we've been focusing on that because we're at that point in the season where everything matters and there's just been so much coaching turnover that's been, I would say, highly irregular for this time of the year. But there's just so much going on, we really can't get away from it once college football's over, which is basically going to be soon. I mean, we'll have stuff that goes over the bowl games and we'll recap some of the stuff from the bowl games. I'm sure there'll be more coaching turnover that comes along the way, but... I mean, once this week's pretty much over with, we got just a couple of bowl games. We got the college football playoff, which we will obviously talk about in depth a good bit through some episodes. And we will also have specific episodes just for that. But for now, this is going to be really the last one that really focuses on it outside of Monday when we talk about the selection show. So after that, we'll kind of get into some more. We'll be able to get into the NBA some more. Um, I mean, there's not really much going on in baseball right now other than free agency, which we'll eventually probably next week we'll run down some of the list of some of the signings that have happened there and just throw out a little bit what's how that impacts some of the teams there uh, other sports though talking about talk about the nfl more as their season really ramps up getting close to some teams trying to make playoff runs here now that we're in week 13 there at this point so there's a lot going to be happening here that we're going to be talking about obviously we will have coverage for you from i mean every week of of the year so Make sure you're following us. Make sure you're listening because we are going to get into some more stuff. But for today, it is college football centric, just as we have been here for the last couple of weeks. It's just stuff's just been heating up. But we got the rankings again, the final rankings before we get Selection Sunday this coming Sunday. That's supposed to be at noon. If you want to watch the Selection Show, that's going to be on ESPN. So Sunday, the day after the conference championships, we got a lot of good games in that that we're going to see. So we'll obviously have our preview and prediction show for that Friday. I mean, Saturday, our article will come out Friday for that. So if you want to read that, that's going to be on Friday. But uh, just, I mean, so much is happening. These, uh, every bit of these matchups that are happening this Saturday are going to completely set up Sunday. And there's just no way to really, I mean, you can predict it like we're going to, but there's just no way to know what's how it's really going to shake out. There's so many good games. We got Georgia, Alabama. We got Baylor, Oklahoma State. We have Cincinnati and Houston, I mean, you can go on a list, Oregon, Utah, uh, Michigan, and uh, who was it again? I'm blanking real quick. Michigan and Iowa. So, I mean, there's just going to be so many good games that we're going to get to see this week, and they're all going to play a part, a major part in this uh, in this turnout Sunday. So, because, um, I mean, there's just there's so much that could happen. I mean, you have, say, Alabama beats Georgia. you got two SEC teams in there say Cincinnati slips up. I mean, just stuff can get crazy. I mean, absolutely crazy. I mean, so we'll definitely be following that heavily. We'll discuss some different scenarios on on Saturday when we get to that preview and prediction show, but then Monday we'll definitely be able to dive in on what the committee saw and what is to come. So that's going to be the fun part. But for this week, we had the top six was basically, the, if you follow us at all, with our top 25 that we released, my top six that I released was Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame. That was exactly how it shook out in the playoff rankings. They had Ohio State at seven, Ole Miss at eight. I had Baylor and Ole Miss switched. Baylor sitting at nine in the college football playoff rankings, and you had Oregon at ten. And so that's basically how the top ten shakes out. So looking at this and looking at how this kind of shook out, it kind of shook out the way we we expected it to. A lot of people expected it to. 
Um, but looking at this top 10 right now, which team could sneak in like the farthest back? I would have to say it would obviously take a lot that's got to happen. But I think Baylor, if they can be Oklahoma State and a lot of craziness happens this week with the conference championship games, you might, I mean, if they get lucky, see them sneak in, be a 11-2 and two team in the first two team two lost team to be able to get in. Obviously, like I said, a lot has to happen. A lot, a lot, a lot to happen. But this year has just been, it's been unexpected. Outside of Georgia, you have no idea what you're getting on a week-to-week basis when it came to football this year. I mean, no one expected Alabama to be in three straight one-possession games. No one expected Michigan to really be this good this year. No, I mean, I guess you could have picked Cincinnati a little bit, but Cincinnati struggled in the earlier part of the year. No one expected Oklahoma State to be this good. Uh, Notre Dame hung, hung around a little bit more than people thought, especially after they lost that game to Cincinnati. Uh, Ohio State, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, everyone thought they had a shot at the national championship, and now they sit at number seven, don't play this week, and really don't have much way of finding themselves getting into that top four barring just absolute mayhem occurs. But I, I don't really see a scenario for them in this. But just looking at how this – I know a lot of people were upset. Alabama staying at three just be, you know after that four-overtime game against Auburn. I mean, I understand that from a lot of people's perspective. They're upset that Cincinnati didn't jump them at least or that they didn't fall outside the top four. I mean, I get that. They didn't look good. It took everything. But it's rivalry week. They won the game. They did what they were supposed to. And now, the, obviously, they want to set up the big, big matchup. you got number one versus number three now in the ACC championship. So that obviously plays into a lot with ranking, uh, with, uh, with money and TV, you know, uh, TV schedules, all that type of stuff. So it looks good as part of it. But at the same time, I mean, that one's really going to shake itself out because if Alabama wins, they're in. I mean, it doesn't matter if they win by one. It doesn't matter if they win on a flute. It doesn't matter if they win, they're in. That's, I mean, it's as simple as that. So, I mean, it didn't matter if you had them sitting at five. It didn't matter if you had them sitting at four because from if they beat Georgia, they're going to jump to number one. There's no doubt about it. They're not. They're going to be able to jump Michigan. Alabama should jump to one if they can beat Georgia. They beat the number one team in the country. You jump to number one. So, to me, I don't really see what I mean. Why you move it? A lot of teams struggled last week, but Alabama managed to pull it out. So, you leave them there and you see what happens this week against Georgia. Because I mean, what's the worst that happens? They lose. They get. Let's just say they get blown out, which I don't think is going to happen. But let's just say they get blown out. I mean, you just drop out of the top four. You find yourself a spot in that top ten. I mean, that's really all that's going to happen. So, I mean, you really can't lose with this rankings. And there just wasn't too much that was a surprise. Some people were surprised to see Michigan jump to number two. I wasn't at all. I mean, they absolutely dominated Ohio State on both sides of the ball. And when you were sitting at number five, you should jump Cincinnati and you should jump Alabama. So, I mean, I don't see why some people are upset about that. Cincinnati, though, some people were wondering if Oklahoma State was going to jump Cincinnati. And some people actually have Oklahoma State over Cincinnati in their, their rankings right now, which to me – I don't have a problem with that. I mean, the only reason I have Cincinnati in mind right now is just because of that one loss with Oklahoma State. But that margin, I mean, literally, I basically almost have them tied for that four spot where they're sitting. I think Oklahoma State in a matchup with Cincinnati would win. So that's why I'm honestly hoping that Oklahoma State wins this week. And then if Georgia beats Alabama, you'll see Oklahoma State get in. They'll have a chance to prove how good they were. Um, Because I honestly think that Oklahoma State deserves it and should be in there. Um but this is why I keep saying you got to have some way of you got to have some expansion when it comes down to it because you got to be able to let these teams play on the field because let's just say let's just say Alabama does beat Georgia, Michigan wins, Cincinnati wins, so you know Georgia's already a lock. Alabama would be a lock. 
if Michigan and Cincinnati win, they're basically locked. So you got your top four right here. And if Oklahoma State wins against a, I mean a a good Baylor team who's ranked in the top ten at number nine, you mean to tell me they are twelve and one and don't get to go play in the top, in the college football playoff and be Big Twelve champions? I mean that just don't make no sense to me. And so that in that scenario, I mean I wouldn't have a problem whatsoever if they jump Cincinnati just because of Cincinnati's I mean strength of schedule. So. And just how things have looked if they win this week. I mean, that's a top ten. That's a top ten program at Baylor. You win that, you're the Big Twelve champion. You're twelve and one. I think you deserve to go. But I'm just telling you, this committee does not. From what we have already seen from them, they do not have the guts to be able to put Oklahoma State over Cincinnati in that scenario. They don't have the guts to do it whatsoever. They've played it safe all year. They haven't really had much criteria, what they've gone off of. They've said they've had criteria, and they try to go by, say they're going by wins and losses and how, you know, strength of wins and losses. I mean, they go, they try to say all that, but to me there's been like no, there's been no correlation to what they've said to what the rankings actually look like. And so with this, though, with Cincinnati being undefeated, I don't. I just don't see them doing that because they do not want to be known as the committee that blew stuff up and left the left the non Power Five team out, and then see them. I mean, they would get so much backlash from it. They don't want to have to deal with that. And I mean, that's understandable to a point. But at the same time, though, your your job as the committee is to get the four best teams in there, and that's going to be a serious discussion. I still think either way, because. Oklahoma State to me is the four, one of the four best teams if they beat Baylor this weekend and to be left out Big 12 champs only one loss to me that's just unacceptable and so especially if Oklahoma State wins that and that scenario does play out which I mean like I said you never know if that scenario does play out you will see expansion talk go from absolute zero to a hundred overnight because people are not going to stay and the same same look for Notre Dame I mean I know Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference championship that's what hurts them that's why they I still see their shot of slipping into the top four unlikely unless they obviously get some help and there's some other factors we'll get into with their their chances of getting in there but Notre Dame's 11 and one they have one loss they should at least have the opportunity to go out and play on the field and show people that I mean, they're one of the top the top teams in the country and give themselves a shot to play for the national championship or play in the playoff. But they won't get that just because we're only allowing four teams. So, I mean, that just makes no sense. None of the models that we've had for college football have made much sense. We've made improvements. We went from the ranking system just to, oh, you look the best. Well, you know, we got you at number one. You win the national championship to a BCS style to now your college football playoff style. When do we realize that you can't just stay small? You have to go big. And I don't know if that means – I mean, some people were even throwing out the idea of what the FCS does, where they have the the big, big tournament where they play basically 32 teams. So you basically have to win, I think it's what, four games or so? I can't remember exactly the, the exact number. You have to win a couple of games to be able to go and win a national championship. And so, I mean, I'm not totally opposed to that idea either because, I mean, there's just got to be a better way of deciding who's going to be the national champion, who's going to be the top teams in the country, and stop letting a committee sit down and tell us who it's going to be because there's just so many different things that go into it. We've seen the bias that they've had for some teams just off of past past experiences or, I mean, I'll give you an example. Right now, if you had a team right now, if you had Cincinnati sitting there with one loss and obviously strength to schedule is obviously different, or let's just to pick a different team. you got Oklahoma State who has one loss right now. They haven't looked bad in any of their wins that they've had. And let's just say they struggled. They only won multiple their last three games by one possession. They have one loss that was really bad. 
and then I mean, right now they wouldn't even be really sitting where they're at right now if they were just scraping by. Like Oklahoma is the perfect example if you look at it. Oklahoma, they won games, they didn't look great. It was one possession games, and they were sitting all the way back and at far back. And this one at number ten didn't really even look like they had a shot to even get into the playoff, and so they didn't get that biasness. I mean, I don't know if who, what the people are in there, but it's evident that they have it when it comes to Alabama in this scenario because Alabama has not looked great. Yes, they found a way to win, but, I mean, they still find themselves at number three right now. So, I mean, it's just kind of weird how they, I mean, how they do stuff, and you shouldn't have any of that in there. It should just be played out on the field. Throw numbers out there. I mean, you can th- throw the seeds out there. I think it should be at least 12 teams out there, if not more. 12, to me, should be fine. Because you can have the five, you know, the five teams that win the conference championships, they automatically get a a bid, similar to how the NCAA basketball does, where if you win your conference, you you automatically get a bid. Now you don't obviously have to do all the conferences; you just do the Power Five for that, and then you put the rest of the teams, the next seven teams that are at large in there, and they get a shot at it, and. Uh, to be able to get in there and make some noise, so that you can decide. I mean, that I don't have a problem with that. You can decide the next seven best teams for the the committee can do that because I mean, if you're not looking like one of the best teams, at least one of the top twelve teams in the country, I mean, there's really not much of a debate there. I think at twelve or thirteen, obviously there would be to some degree, but it's not going to be the same way that people can just say if you got two losses and you're sitting at 13 and you wanted to be at 12 you thought you deserved to be 12 all you got to say is just win one one more game don't lose your games that you did I mean it's that simple now you can say that now but to me it doesn't that doesn't really make much sense because you still got some teams that are sitting up here with one loss that are that are higher up than teams you know that have no losses so to me I mean it just doesn't make any sense the correlation of it we're just picking who we want to at this point and the matchups we want to see because you can't tell me right now that you'd rather I mean that you don't think Looking at how stuff plays out, you couldn't tell me right now that you don't think that since I mean uh, Oklahoma State would be able to beat Alabama in a matchup. You can't say you can't say that's not possible. To me, it is definitely possible. So I don't know. There's just so much that that really needs to be figured out when it comes to this, and it just seems like there is something coming from what the word is going around right now that they are looking at the possibility of trying to get expansion in as early as 2023. So, if not 2023, it'll definitely be 2025. I think they realize the scenario that's playing out this year because it's just not going to be good however it shakes out. Because, let's just say one two-loss team finally gets in this year, whether that's, I mean, Alabama's definitely a possibility if they lose a close one to Georgia and some other stuff shakes out, or, you know, Ohio State slips in there, or a non-conference champion like Notre Dame. Um, I mean, not a a non-conference, but a no conference championship team like Notre Dame is able to slip in and be able to get in there. I mean, you're going to have chaos all around. So they realize this scenario that they're in. People are going to get left out. People are going to be upset. You need to expand it. And to me, I don't understand why it just wasn't done in the first place because how much money there is out there and how much exposure there is out there with the opportunity to go and play more games. And, I mean, I know you have to figure out the TV deals and all that because you can't have every game on ESPN unless you're separating the games by multiple days because you can really only fit in three games a day. I mean, I guess you could play it over a span of two days, but that's just a lot of coverage that has to happen 
and you have to have crews and all that, and you don't have your best crews on some of the best games. That I mean, there's a lot that's got to go into it. So you got to figure out TV deals and all that. But there is that money that's there. It can definitely be worked out. I just don't get why it wasn't done in the first place. I don't. I don't know if it's the tradition mindset, or you got to do this. You got to continue to do it this way, and then I mean, you can't do that though. It doesn't work. You got to go big. You got to figure out a way to where this. Teams actually get decided on the field and not just by a committee in the room. Do I think they got it right this week? It's the best I've seen them do so far, but I'm not optimistic about how they're how things are going to shake out next week. Because I think there's definitely going to be some questions. There's definitely going to be some heavy debate, and that's what's going to be so fun about Monday when we get to sit down here and we get to talk about that. Because there's going to be a lot that we can discuss. We can look at how you know teams have matched up, how they've looked, all that type of stuff. So we'll be able to look at that. A little bit more, but um, that's that'll be on Monday. But news outside of that in college football, we have another head coaching change, another shocker. I well, I guess this is outside of Lincoln Riley, this is the second biggest shocker. We see Notre Dame's Brian Kelly get offered the job by LSU. He accepted and just leaves. And so that's why I was saying something about Notre Dame that's got to be played into this as well. So now your head coach leaves. You're sitting at 11 and 1 at number 6 with just a week to go before the selection the selection day and you got a shot if two teams lose to find yourself possibly moving up in there and your head coach literally just decides, "All right, that's a good offer. I'm leaving." And apparently the players found out through the media. He texts them that night. He meets in the morning, and he flies down to Baton Rouge, and, I mean, he's done there at Notre Dame. I mean, that was basically the end of it. And it was just really shocking all around. He left the wrong way. He could have handled it better. Um, it was just such a shock to everyone because there was news of – at first it was Lincoln Riley and LSU, and then uh, that didn't happen. Obviously, he went to USC. And then now it was this one, and it just wasn't the move. It just developed so fast. And, I mean, there were so many other people that they thought was going to get the job before Brian Kelly's name even came up. But he accepted, obviously, if you've looked at the deal whatsoever, the amount of money he's getting, the benefits that he's getting, anybody would take that deal. And it sucks, but it's just the nature of it in college football. There's nothing there that keeps coaches out of place. They can decide just to up and leave whenever they want to at any point in time. And, I mean, like I said, they're 11-1 and right now. They have a bowl game to go at least even if they don't make the playoff, and he just leaves. And so you hate it for the players because they're still – I mean, you're right in the – you're at the end of a season. You're still playing, and you still got a game to go, and he just – you find out through a text and then just, just leaves. Um, and this is coming from a guy who leaves that was saying that he wanted to spend the rest of his life at Notre Dame. He was considered a lifer there. He'd been there for a while at this point, and he did a great job while he was there. Obviously, he didn't win the national championship while he was there, but he put together some good teams. He's been to the college football playoff. He's been he's competed in national championships. He hasn't won one, but I mean, this is going to give him his best opportunity. He's shown that he can build a team. He can recruit. I mean, he's got top five recruiting classes there at Notre Dame. And if he can do it there at Notre Dame, he can do it in Baton Rouge. So, I mean, for him, it's understandable why he wants to do that. It could have just been handled so much better. And I know a lot of people get upset about it because, and to me, it makes sense. I definitely, I get it. When a coach can just up and leave and there should there's no restrictions whatsoever for it, why should there be all these restrictions for players to follow when it comes to transferring schools? I mean, you got to make it fair all the way around 
because, I mean, if coaches can just leave and then they leave and then a player can't transfer or he has to sit out a year because he's now stuck out of school where the coach that recruited him at is up and gone, I mean, that's not really fair. So, I mean, I understand why a lot of people do feel like there should be no transfer rules. There needs to be something. I think there definitely needs to be a lot more lenience when it comes to some of the the factors. And obviously we've seen it be a little bit more lenient. The only thing it's the only thing I don't like about it and this just may maybe me thinking this way, but I'm just not a huge fan of the idea of a transfer portal when it comes to I mean there is a transfer portal, but like a free agency when it comes to college football. I mean just at any given time a player doesn't like his situation, he can just up and leave whether that's in the middle of the season, I mean into the season just because he wants to go play somewhere else. And that's basically what you have at this point because I mean you're seeing players basically leave every year now at this point, but I mean you would like to see some of these players stick it out a little bit longer, but that's just the nature of the game. There's no really like set parameters where a coach has to stay, a player has to stay anymore. It's just open season basically at this point. So I mean it is what it is when it comes to that. So the only thing when it comes to this though for Notre Dame, they ended up hiring Marcus Freeman, which is their defensive coordinator to fill the role. I thought this was the best possible thing they could do right now. Obviously a lot of people there wanted the big name hire. I don't know who you really go go after. Um, someone at Fickle, you know, Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. I mean, that's a, to me, that's a semi big name. That's all right. I mean, that from Cincinnati to Notre Dame, I think that's a big jump just because there's more pressure at Notre Dame. Um, but for Marcus Freeman, he was already there. These players know them, especially mid season or mid season end of season. It gives them a shot for everything to kind of stay familiar. They can continue to do the same thing. Freeman knows what they do there. And he can just basically pick up where Kelly left off and try to move the program forward. Now, I think he's going to be on a lot shorter of a leash than someone else would just because, I mean, he's not a big-name hire. So if things go south pretty quickly over the next two, three years, he'll probably be yanked pretty quickly. But for now, it it helps. And the reason why I say that this is what I was talking about with Notre Dame sitting at six. We heard from the, the chairman of the playoff committee talk about uh, – was asked by Reese Davis when they did their interview on ESPN. Asked, Reese Davis asked him, did the coaching move of Brian Kelly will it have any effect on Notre Dame's position in the college football playoff rankings? And he said this week it didn't because they go off of what happened in the previous week. Kelly just left this week. And so now he says, he said, though, coming up, though, even though they're not playing this week, we have to take into account next week when we sit down and do the rankings. We have to look at everything from scheduling to, you know, wins, losses, and then we have to look at player availability and coaches' availability. And so now I'm not having your head coach, your head coach that's been there that's led you to this point. He said there's a good possibility that that could affect them. So. And that's why I think it's going to be even harder now for Notre Dame to sneak in. They were, they had, they were, their chances were definitely improving, finding themselves at six this week. But now, I mean, that obviously hurts a little bit. But that's why I said I think this right now, this is the best possible move that Notre Dame could have made right now because you bring in someone that's familiar, someone that's already there. Things don't have to change as much. They were able to keep their offensive coordinator. They're pretty much set because the defensive coordinator could continue his duties. Obviously, you have to fill that role as the head coach, but that may take some of that, I guess you say, that that level that they're going to look at for coach availability when with Brian Kelly leaving. They might not look at that as much with keeping someone in-house. But like I said, that in-house role, I definitely think you can see him be yanked a lot sooner than you would if it was a bigger name outside higher. So 
that's going to be interesting to watch too as well. But there's just been so much craziness when it's come to, to coaching moves. I mean, some of the biggest names in college football, LSU, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, we see all these moves that are happening. And it's just because this is how pressure sensitive, this is how the stakes are so high when it comes to college football. If you cannot win a national championship in a short time, you are out, you are gone. Lincoln Riley was feeling the pressure. He was could not win there at Oklahoma. He got close in the playoff multiple times, could not win the national championship. He did not want to, I mean, he can say what he wants. He says people are going to talk, but the thing is, it's the truth. We saw him not want to accept the LSU job that was offered to him in the SEC, and then Oklahoma was moving is moving to the SEC in 2025. He tucks tail and run to the Pac-12. So he can say that it's you know people are going to talk. It has nothing to do with him not wanting to coach in the SEC. But he literally picked every possible option to get away from it. So to me, he can you know that was just a crazy move to me um, when it comes down to it. But like I said, stakes are so pressure packed. There's so much pressure when it comes down to it. There's so much expectation to win instantly when you come in. And he was basically right there. I guess he felt like he peaked there at Oklahoma and felt like he could do something a little bit different there at USC. I don't know. I mean, he's already was able to convert a couple of his recruits that he had going to Oklahoma. He got his five-star quarterback now coming over to USC. I think he'll do fine over there. He's going to have a good offense. They'll be able to score points. I wouldn't be surprised to see USC win in the Pac-12 before long, maybe getting to the – getting to the college football playoff, but I don't think it's going to be any different than it was to Oklahoma because you're, I don't think he's going to have a good defense. I mean, that could obviously change, but I'm just not seeing it. But stakes are so high, so you see it. I mean, Orgeron just in LSU had just won a national championship just two years ago in 2019. He's gone. Obviously, there were some off-field issues there as well, but still, I mean, you go from 2019 undefeated national champs, had a – semi okay year last year and then you had a bad very mediocre six and six year this year and he was out the door already just midway through this season after they really started slow to begin with but like I said off off field issues you know had a part with that but you wouldn't I mean he wouldn't have got fired if they had a better season I mean there's no doubt about that I mean people can say the off field issues contributed most obviously it contributed some but if he's I mean if he has those issues and they're 9 and 0 or they're you know 11 and 1 right now they're not having that problem let's just be honest and then like I said just talking about the Notre Dame situation there's just been so much so much shakeup that's been going on college football is going to look totally different next year we're going to see landscapes that are going to shift I think LSU is going to be in a way better position now with Brian Kelly. I think you'll have some consistency there. The question is, though, I mean, he'll be able to recruit. The question is, though, how does this affect, um, the? I guess you say, the recruiting situation with Alabama? Alabama already had competition with Georgia being able to recruit the way they are over at Georgia. How does Alabama now get affected with LSU with Brian Kelly being over there? Because, like I said, he's getting top five classes at Notre Dame. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how the landscape shifts in college football, if it does or if it stays a lot of the same. But I think you'll see a heavily improved um, LSU team. I think you'll see an improved USC team. I think uh, Notre Dame, that's going to be one to wait and see on. Because, like I said, Marcus Freeman, he is familiar. But it's going to be interesting to see if he can keep the same level of of play I guess you could say there if they'll be able to at least stick around and be able be competitive to possibly get in the playoff but be honest with you though still Notre Dame's best shot is to get into a conference go to the ACC it worked out for you a couple of years ago in the in the COVID season just last year you almost won the ACC 
and you made the playoff, got blown out in the first round, but I mean, you could do that every year and then possibly get lucky one year, you know, win a, win the win the playoff if you keep getting in there. So, but they'd rather go and be an independent to me that makes no sense whatsoever. Join the ACC, it'll work out for you. But uh I mean, it's going to be interesting to see who gets hired at Oklahoma. Uh I threw the name Bob Stoops out there because he's already filling the interim role there. I don't see who else you really get. I mean, unless you pick up Luke Fickle. I mean, they might be at a snag a snag a name somewhere else. Um, so that one's going to be interesting to to find you know to find out how that shakes out there. But that one, I I got a bad feeling with Oklahoma, and I definitely think you'll see a decline with them. I don't know how long it'll be. I don't know how bad it'll be, but I think you're going to see a lot of players that are going to leave, and I don't think their recruiting will be as well. I think their defense will continue to be bad. They'll have an okay offense, but I would not be surprised to see them have some very mediocre four, you know, three, four, maybe even possibly five loss seasons coming up over the next couple of years because, like I said, there's just not that big name out there that I feel like is going to pull a heavy recruiting class and be able to – to really sh- keep you going the way that they were because, I mean, Lincoln Riley was doing a good job there. He was. I mean, that's why you get offered the job at USC. So going to be interesting to see there. And then down at Florida, it, the other big coaching op- uh, name that we saw come up there, Billy Napier took the job there after Dan Mullen's out. So that's a possible name to look for. I Another one that you might be able to look at for the Oklahoma job. Offensive coach, they bring him in there. That might be something to look out for. I don't know, but Billy Napier is there now at Florida. So it's so many different schools, big-name schools, schools that have one now switching things up, and it's going to be interesting to see how things change. So next year, I think it'll be the top three teams next year is just going to be the ones that you've seen for the last couple of years now. So, I mean, I don't think that's going to change, but there's so much stability at these three programs or four programs, I guess you can put out there. You'll still see Georgia. You'll still see Alabama. You'll still, I think Clemson will be even better next year. They'll, they're starting to climb back up. People, A lot of people, you know, threw them down, said they weren't going to be good this year. They're not a bad football team anymore. I mean, they're 9-3. They had those three losses real early. They've won five straight at this point. They're a decent football team. They're going to get better. I think they got a lot of guys returning next year. So they'll be back in the mix. So you'll have Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. They're still recruiting well. Ryan Day is doing a good job there. They just got to get a better defense. That's what killed them this year. But they had a freshman, C.J. Stroud, there. So it's just going to be interesting for them if how many of those receivers they can keep, if they can continue to build on that that offensive production that they have there. But they got to find, a, I mean, a defense. The defense has killed them over the last couple of years. We saw it last year in the national championship when they got blown out by Alabama. We saw it in the two games that they lost this year where the defense just really let them down. And we saw it in games where their offense just exploded and that helped, helped them survive. So uh, I think those will still be the four teams that you really see next year. Outside of that, it's going to be a question mark because of just how much movement. Usually you could have said Oklahoma. Usually you could have said Notre Dame. Usually you could have said Florida or LSU. You can't do that right now. So um, next year is going to be real fun, though. But for this year, we still got a lot coming up. We got some very interesting stuff that's got to happen. But um, outside of that, just going to go through some quick headlines real quick. That's I mean, that's pretty much the show for the gist of it. But just some real quick headlines talk about real quick. We had 
a major upset just a couple of just two nights ago. We saw number one Duke in college basketball go down to Ohio State. That one was a shocker considering that Duke was just literally just named the number one team in the country. But a lot of that has to do with just how bad they shot the ball. They shot the ball terribly in that matchup. And when you do that and you're on the road, I mean, it just – that's what happens, especially when you play against a team that's – I mean, Ohio State's not a bad team. Your best player, though, only has 14 points. He was 4-14 shooting when Benchero. That's going to lose you some games. They're also a young team, so – uh, your best player is a freshman. You're going to have stuff like this happen. So that was going to that was an interesting game to watch. Another big matchup that happened in the NBA. We saw the Suns and the Warriors battle it out. The top two teams in the West. The, at this point, coming into the game, the Suns had won 16 straight, and then obviously we know about the Warriors. They had the best record in the NBA, sitting at 16 and or 17 and two, 18 and two. Excuse me. And then. Um, they were dominating behind Stephen Curry, who is the early season MVP favorite. Just like that was my prediction. I think he's still going to win it in the end. Looking really, really good. And but the Suns, they are playing some of the best basketball right now in the NBA. They were able to pull it out by eight. That was even with Devin Booker leaving middle through. through I mean, leaving through the middle of the game had a lot to do with though that Curry had his probably worst game he's had of the year. And you're going to have that, though. You're going to have down games. That's exactly what he had, finally. It just happened to be against the second-best team in the NBA right now. And Phoenix just came in there, took care of business. They walk out now winners of 17 straight. Now they have the – they're tied with the Warriors for the best record in the league, but because of the head-to-head matchup there, they sit at number one in the West now. So that is some big news there in the NBA. We'll have a lot more of the NBA coming up. Um Outside of that, we saw LeBron's going to be out for a little while with the Lakers. He tested positive for COVID-19 despite being fully vaccinated. So he'll be out for a certain amount of games. It's going to be interesting to see how they survive without him, especially because they're 7-4 and four with him. They have a losing record without him. He's only played in a small amount of games, so they're starting to build some identity at the Lakers. Are We saw them end up winning that game that he didn't play in. And came back after being down early. But they're starting to build some camaraderie together without him because they've played so much without him. How do they incorporate him when he gets back? Because I think finally he's going to get to play a long stretch of games because, and barring injury, he's had that one injury. People are already talking about his father time catching up. I mean, he's old, he's getting older. He's lost a step. But, I mean, the dude hadn't even really played consistently six, seven games in a row yet. I think we'll finally get to see that, and I think that we'll finally see them starting to be able to finally build some chemistry as a team but it's going to be interesting to see how he factors back in Russell Westbrook stepped up he's been more aggressive Anthony Davis has obviously been the number one guy there on the offensive side of the ball where does LeBron factor in when he comes back so there's no telling how many games he'll be out obviously he has to test negative multiple times so we will see how that shakes out but obviously more NBA news will be coming out especially next week when we can finally get more into it but with that said though just wanted to give you a couple of headlines that was it for today but, uh, oh, one other real quick. Just last night, another upset in college basketball. We had Georgia upset number 18, Memphis. Memphis has now lost two straight. Big win by Georgia and Tom Crean there as they look to get back on track in college basketball. They really, really struggled last year when a lot of people thought they were going to be better. So be interesting to see how that shakes out there and, and – and Georgia, if they get better, and if Memphis drops out of the top 25 when the next rankings come out, would not be surprised to see it happens. But that's just the last headline. Sorry, I forgot to go over that. Um, one more headline. I keep look, keep missing my my page. I had it on a different page. 
But we do have the lockout in the MLB now. The owners have officially voted to do the lockout. We'll begin, well, it just began today. And uh, it's the first stoppage of play, stoppage of everything since 1994 and 1995 season where they ended up not being able to play multiple games. They end up actually missing a whole World Series, all of that. So they're officially in that, though. It comes at a good time. You're in the off season, but obviously it does mess some things up. I will think I don't think this will be a super long one. Obviously they are having some issues with it. I think they'll figure it out within the next couple of months, though. I don't think it will affect play whatsoever. The worst that will happen, I think it might affect spring training just a little bit. I don't think it will, though. I mean, we're still a couple of months out before anybody actually has to report. So that'll be interesting to see. Not going to get too much into that one. We can get more into that next week, though. We've already gone pretty long today, 36 minutes right now. But um, that's pretty much the show today. Thank you for joining us today as we went over some of the biggest news stories of the week in all of sports. We'll obviously have some more coming up. This Saturday, we will have our college football conference championship week preview and prediction show as we break down the five Power Five games. And we'll also throw in the Cincinnati and Houston game as well, just because of the the importance of that when you have the number four team going up against a number, whatever they're at in the teens. So that is going to be a, a game we are going to throw in there. So we'll have six matchups we'll discuss. Going to be some really, really good ones. But make sure you catch us there. Tomorrow we will have our politics episode, so make sure you catch up with that one. We got some news in that one. There has been a lot with politics that has just transpired over just the last couple of days since we last had our episode on Tuesday on politics. So we'll have a good bit more to break down in tomorrow's episode. So do not miss that one. That will be a fun one. So with that said, though, thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you in the next one.